We're doing Tucson later for a business thing, you know. What kind of business you in? One career all females have in common, being a woman. Something's crossed over in me. When I'm good, I'm very good. But when I'm bad, I'm better. Fasten your seatbelts. It's going to be a bumpy night. Listeners, we are back with part two of Carol. Are you excited? Because I know I am. Last episode, we left off with a drunk and suspicious Harge confronting Carol and Therese at Carol's palatial New Jersey residence. Carol then calls Therese, who is back at her apartment in New York City, to apologize. I hope you enjoy. She apologizes. and She's like, I'm sorry I was so horrible to you earlier. Will you let me come visit you? And then we get another iconic line, Rachel, and she's like, Therese is like, well, I feel like I should ask you things, but I don't quite know, like, how much can I ask? That's what we're reading. That's what we can read. And Carol's just like, ask me things. Hello? I was horrible earlier. You forgive me? Yes, I... I mean... Then would you... Would you let me come see you tomorrow? Evening. All right. Yes. I want to know, I think. I mean, I want to ask you things, but I'm not sure that you want that. Ask me things, please. I love Kate in this. She brings warmth and vulnerability that's not really there in the book. It was needed for the movie. If Kate wasn't acting so well, this could have really been creepy. Yeah. Like perverse. I know, Rachel, because later on, so when she does end up visiting Therese, I think it's the next day, she has that meeting with her lawyer where it's, oh, this is not good. Harge, his lawyer is issuing this injunction that's citing a morality clause to keep Carol away from her daughter. (laughs) And then then Carol- And that sort of thing happened in real life. Yep. Can you imagine how many families, I don't know, but how many families were ruined, were ruined and kids children. don't know their parent because yeah. they're gay. Of morality. Yeah, a morality clause. They're gay, yeah. Oh, it doesn't bear thinking about. It's just so upsetting. And you can see how much Carol loves her daughter. It's just like, oh my God, people are terrible. But she she buys Therese a really expensive camera. Now, this is where you're right. This could feel so creepy. This could feel like she's trying to buy her. Right. In the book, in the book, Therese does not accept any kind of monetary gift. Because Carol writes her check for like $200. Yeah. And she's like, no. She's like, I'm not cashing it. She writes her check for $2,000. Oh, $2,000? Is it? Yeah. She writes her a couple different checks. And she like was like, no, I'm not going to cash this. And she hid it, um, you know, somewhere so she would have access to it. So this could definitely feel like it could, it could feel like she is trying to buy this girl. Right. Right. <laughs> but I think I'll say, I think the camera was necessary as part of the story because yeah. Therese mm-hmm. didn't have a good camera. And mm-hmm. in order for her to progress with this photography career, she would probably need a better camera. A quality camera. I think that was a good idea to have Carol buy her that. So then, you know, Therese could grow in her independence as a photographer. And then I remember watching an, an interview with Phyllis Nagy where she was saying, there's a trope in media of a predatory lesbian, usually an older lesbian preying on, on a younger woman. But a reason I don't think that's what's happening here is because Therese wants this. She's bad. She It's never not consensual, right? Right. The wealth disparity is kind of troublesome to me and the age because there's like a, there's a huge gap in experience and also wealth, like you said, where it could feel like, like, even if that's not Carol's intention, it could feel like she's trying to buy your affection or your loyalty Mm -hmm. or, or, you know, whatever, or make you feel indebted to her. 
but I don't think that's Carol's intention. And then the screenwriter said, no, when Carol says, show me your work, she actually means it. She's not saying that just to get in Teresa's pants. Like she actually is interested in her as a person and uh, as a talent. So. And And movie Carol was way more generous, like way more soft, way more. Soft, yeah. um, Yeah. Like supportive of Therese than she was in the book. Yeah. She's an ice queen. Yes. And and Phyllis Naj said that when she was, because this was in development years before Kate Blanchett was attached and when Kate Blanchett would have been way too young to play this anyway, the person she had in mind when she was writing it was Grace Kelly, who was this icy blonde, this beautiful icy blonde, Hitchcock blonde. That's pretty spot on. (laughs) Yeah, that makes sense. Um, So Carol finds out about this morality clause and she wants to get away from the scene. Yes, Rachel, she does. This is insane. They've known each other for like two days. That's crazy, right, Rachel? It is crazy. In the book, it is longer, a longer period of time. They know each other for like three weeks. Weeks. Yeah, it's weeks instead of days. But in this, it's literally, she meets her on Christmas Eve or like two days before Christmas. And then before New Year's, they're on an epic road trip together. I think, yeah, I think even on Christmas Day that they're... Yeah. They're going. Oh, you're right. I think it is Christmas Eve when uh, when the Harge takes Rindy, Rindy away, right? Yeah. And then, like, can you imagine? You meet that. I mean, it is Kate Blanchett. Oh, my God. But you meet this amazingly beautiful, wealthy, sophisticated older woman, but clearly has some personal issues going on. Yeah. But then she invites you on, like, cross-country road trip. <laughs> like, yeah. Oh, my God. I'm going away for a while. When? Where? Wherever my car will take me. West. Soon. And I thought perhaps you might like to come with me. one other thing okay so we were talking kind of about the disparity between the two so there are illusions in the book that therese has more freedom than carol yeah because therese doesn't really have a family no she She doesn't she wants yeah she doesn't have those societal concerns that carol has she's unattached i mean she has a maybe a boyfriend but nothing serious not committed to him (laughs) so in carol's eyes therese is pretty much free she might be in a position that carol would like to be in herself yeah Therese is in a position where she can just drop everything and go on a road trip mm-hmm. or like in the book she's like it's gonna be a couple months or something she's like that's cool <laughs> yeah and she totally she just dumps richard he <laughs> she's been dating this guy for how long and she just drops him like that when carol walks into her life well richard was planning trying like trying to convince her to go to europe with him he was such a jackass in this movie because at no point did she ever say yes he just went ahead and bought these tickets to a cruise and basically saying yeah let's get married never never cares to hear what she has to say she even says at one point i'm not ready she's like no i can't make myself be ready he does not listen to her no doesn't care only cares about what he wants and thinks that if he just goes ahead with the plans she'll just fall in line like she's supposed to. Yeah, right. But she doesn't, she's like, nope, I'm going to go on this road trip with this hot woman. Yeah. I love that when she was, he was like, that's the money that we you were saving for Europe. And he's like, no, no I, I never agreed to that. <laughs> yeah. I never agreed to Europe. And he's like, you made me buy tickets. She's like, I did not. And she never did. Richard is such an asshole. You got one hell of a crush on this woman is what you're like a schoolgirl. I do not. I just like her is all. I'm fond of anyone I can really talk to. Nice. You know what I think? I think two weeks from now, you're going to be wishing that she's going to get tired of you, and you're going to wish that you would never... You don't understand. Oh, I do. I understand completely. You're in a trance. I'm wide awake. I've never been more awake in my life. Why don't you leave me alone? And then he was like, well, if you go, then this is over. And she's like, good. In the book, she breaks up with him so many times. Yeah. And he doesn't get, he doesn't get he doesn't it. get it. But I do I, I do like how it's condensed in the movie. Yeah. Like this one kind of blow up scene. 
And he's like, you're going to be begging me to forget this in two weeks. It's like, bitch, she already forgot you. She forgot you the second you walked out the door. (laughs) He only has eyes for Carol. God. And he even says, you have a huge, she is, you have a hell of a crush on this woman, don't you? (laughs) Yeah. But it just shows. So Therese, if it was somebody that she was interested in, would have been very excited to go to Europe with somebody. Oh, yeah. It just shows like how how she's determined to continue with with Carol. She'll go on this trip with someone she just met. Yeah. Because she wants to. This man who's trying to get her to marry him and is like, let's go on this cruise to Europe. She's like, no. Yeah, there's a lot. There's a part later where um, she's talking with Carol about how she she's, she's really berating herself. She's like, I just say yes to everything because I don't know what I want. And, it, you know, it's selfish. And I'm like, no, I think, Therese, you you don't always say yes because you've said no so many times to Richard. <laughs> yeah. And I think it's clear, you know what you want. Cause she says, I don't know what I want, but it's clear in her action. She does know what she wants, but I think she's just can't connect the two. There. She's just scared. To, she's yeah. scared to do what she wants, but she knows what she wants. Yeah. She knows what she wants, but she's not make, she's just acting on instinct without recognizing it as like what she wants. I think that happens with, well, especially if you are in denial about your sexuality, you just don't connect the feelings you're having with reality, with what you want. (laughs) Right. Or you're you're not able to call them wants. You're not. Well, you're kind of living in a time where you're not, where you don't have a lot of autonomy. Your name is your husband's name. Yeah. Mrs. Hard just aired. Yeah. He absorbs your identity, which is what Abby says when Hard shows up drunk at Abby's door. And she's like, wow, you've made... What did she say? Something like in the past 10 years, you've made damn sure that her only reference point is you and her life revolves around you. Yeah, you're right. Carol has a great quote about Harge. Okay, do it. Do it. So Carol says um, about Harge, I think he picked me out like a rug for his living room and he made a bad mistake. I doubt if he's capable of loving anyone, really. What he has is a kind of acquisitiveness, which isn't much separate from his ambition. It's getting to be a disease, isn't it? Not being able to love. So I think that also kind of describes Richard. These men in the book, there's a failure and it may not necessarily be malicious, but there's just a failure to see the woman in their life as someone with her own mind and feelings and desires. Yeah. You just picked out like a rug. Like this will look good in my life. Yeah, Independent of him. There's no recognition that that she exists outside of of you. (laughs) That she is capable of loving and wanting to be loved. So anyway, yeah, she dumps Richard and they set off on their epic road trip where she just says, let's just go west. And they're in Carol's Packard and they're driving through in the book. They they wind up in Defiance, Ohio one night. I don't remember at what point in the movie she discovers that Carol has a gun in her suitcase. Oh, yeah. That might have been in Ohio because like in the book they stop at or I think even in the movie they stop in Ohio and Chicago. Or they end up at Waterloo, but yeah, Therese discovers this, and even her gun is fabulous. It's silver. Revolver. It's like um, got a pearl handle. It's a beautiful revolver. So of course, even Carol's gun is feminine and, and gorgeous. <laughs> but in the book, Therese straight up confronts her about the gun. She's like, "Yeah, I found that gun in your suitcase." And well, then- Carol is like, "What's wrong with you?" <laughs> <laughs> Because Therese is acting different. And yeah. then Carol's like, I can't handle you acting weird. And she's like, well, I found that gun in your suitcase. In the in the movie, she's just like, you tell me if something was wrong. And Carol's just like, I'm not frightened, Therese. <laughs> Carol's gun instead of Chekhov's gun. Yeah. So as we're like going on this road trip, they're kind of getting more and more close. So that first they have separate rooms. Mm-hmm. Then they get a presidential suite. <laughs> oh, boy. But they didn't, nothing happened in the presidential suite, but they just flirt, but they just flirt and they're having a good time. And they're, Carol is putting makeup on Therese and again, that's almost like a mommy daughter thing. I kind of felt like I found it more as like two girlfriends that too, but they flirt because Carol being Carol and having game is like, Oh, smell my perfume and has her come right into her neck. And Therese is overcome. (laughs) (laughs) And they listen to their Billie Holiday record, the one that uh, Therese got for Carol. Yeah, as a Christmas gift. Mm -hmm. Right. Carol got her a very expensive camera, and all Therese could afford was just this little 
record is single. Yeah, but it was sentimental. It was so sweet. I'm just saying, Therese doesn't have money. Um, But then what happens, Rachel? Well, then one morning, you know, at the hotel, I think they meet a salesman. Is that what he was? That creepy guy. What was he? He said he was selling notions. He said, that's what he said. Oh, I think it's she's. I think they are in Ohio and Therese goes out to get ice and this guy, it is a jump scare, the cinematography of this moment because the camera just quickly pans up and there's this man standing there with his glasses fogged over. He's shifty, like, oh, you can't even see his eyes. And it's like, oh, can I help you with that? And then, and then the next morning they're drinking coffee in the lobby and he shows up again. And like you said, Rachel, he says he's a salesman. He says he's a notions salesman, which it seems like a very 1950s thing. And he even says, I don't know what they are. <laughs> but that he's supposed to use the word notions because women like it. I guess it's just like little articles thing. Like magazines. So they were talking about like, oh, we should I love this interaction between Carol and Therese at <laughs> the at the hotel breakfast when they're talking about their trip and they're like excited for magazines and oh we should like do this and they look visibly closer than they ever have yeah. been. And he's like, Well, I have a sewing kit. It's just like, okay. And they're like laughing at him, like right in front of him, like like, this joker. They're they're like, fuck off. They don't, they're not interested in him at all. But oh, unfortunately we see him again and under very different circumstances. Yeah. So then we get to the Waterloo scene. Oh boy. We kind of forget about Tommy. His name is Tommy. He says his name is Tommy Tucker. Tommy Tucker. Which is ridiculous. Is that is that his name in the book too? Is it I don't Tucker in the book? I don't know. But fuck him. I hate him. So we get to the the Waterloo scene. And this is where I have some problems. Oh my god, Rachel. <laughs> no, okay. I think I think in the book they gave Therese the decision. Okay. She was on that pres- Okay, well, before that, this is like the hotel where they consummate the relationship. They have sex. And in the book, it's like Therese that's taking the lead and she asks Carol to kiss her. But wait, does yeah. she or just I know she says I love you. She yeah, says she I, says I love you. She says she I tells, love you first. Yeah. She tells Carol I love you. And before then, yeah, in the book Therese asks, Can I kiss you goodnight? Early on. And she wants to ask her can if they can sleep in the same bed. Okay, go ahead, Rach. Do it. Do it. Do it. What are you standing there for? Carol asked. Get to bed, sleepyhead. Carol, I love you. Carol straightened up. Therese stared at her with intense, sleepy eyes. Then Carol finished taking her pajamas from the suitcase and pulled the lid down. She came to Therese and put her hands on her shoulders. She squeezed her shoulders hard, as if she were exacting a promise from her, or perhaps searching her to see if what she had said were real. Then she kissed Therese on the lips, as if they had kissed a thousand times before. Don't you know I love you? Carol said. But in the movie, Carol is the one. Like, the whole I love you is just gone. Yeah. And it's just Carol standing there. In the movie, the only one that said, and the only one that says I love you is Carol in the end of the movie. Yeah. I think we can see, I think it's, you know, showing, not telling. We can see that Therese is besotted with Carol, but the only one who says the words I love you in the movie, uh, it's Carol. Yeah. That's a lot. You're right. It's a lot different in the book. Because, yeah, right in the movie, it's just, um, there's, Therese is sitting in front of me. It's New Year's. I don't know if it's New Year's in the book when it happens, but she's like stroking Therese's hair and they're looking at each other in the mirror. And then Therese says something like, well, I'm usually alone on New Year's, but not tonight. Happy New Year. Happy New Year. Marge and I never spend New Year's Eve together. Always a business function. Always clients to entertain. I always spend New Year's alone. In crowds. I'm not alone this year. This is crazy bold. I feel like she knows, Carol knows at this point, Therese wants this, but it's still so scary. You can imagine the repercussions of doing this if the other person doesn't want it. Well, then you feel like you're trapped in this hotel room. Hotel room in in the middle of Ohio. Middle of Ohio, thousands of miles away from your house. And she doesn't know how to drive. Therese doesn't know how to drive, right? (laughs) No, because they're in a really weird... This is why I would prefer Therese to have the initiative in this Initiate it, because she is in a vulnerable situation here. Yeah. But she does. She is the one who says, take me to bed. Yeah. You're right. You're yeah. Right. So Carol just kind of opens her 
robe. We don't see anything. I'm assuming Therese sees something. She just unties it and kind of slightly opens it. She doesn't... Very sexy. It's super sexy. She doesn't like rip it open. (laughs) (laughs) She's just just a hint. (laughs) She kind of lets it fall open. It's super hot. I mean, I'm into it. And then they just start making out. And then Therese says, take me to bed. So it is... That's her taking initiative there, I guess. And then they have sex. And it's very romantic and beautiful. And the music is amazing. Oh, my God. I never looked like that. And, and Therese is the one who says, I want to see you. Leave the light on. I yes. want to see you. And, <laughs> and Carol is like, I never looked like that. Oh, my God. Therese, you're so beautiful. She is, but yeah, so are you. <laughs> yeah. She probably feels after children. and Yeah. You know. Of what you see of Kate Blanchett, she looks amazing. Yeah, you don't see much. <laughs> you see all of Rudy Mara. Yeah, you do. All of her. But uh, you just kind of see Kate's very sexy back and side boob. You look great. You don't need to feel self-conscious right now. <sighs> but maybe that puts them more in like an equal, like an equal footing. I don't know. Just that little comment of maybe she does have insecurities that. Yeah, she could. Yeah. She could. But oh, their, their rapture doesn't last long. It's no, no coincidence that the name of this town is Waterloo, right, Rachel? And Disaster lot, strikes. Yeah. Waterloo means a decisive or crushing defeat. <laughs> Even this is a line in the book. This is a line in the book when Carol says, Waterloo, isn't that awful? And it's in the movie too. Yeah, it's in the movie and the book. Mm-hmm. Um, so it takes like in the book, it's like a lot more drawn out. There's a lot more suspense built up about what's going to happen. But in the movie, and I do, it does make sense from a movie standpoint to condense this all into just like this one meeting. Yeah. But the Tommy Tucker, the salesman that they had met the scene prior. Well, no, wait, Carol gets a telegram. Oh, yeah. She goes in the office and freaks out. Yeah, she freaks out. She's not telling Trez what's going on, but she yeah. grabs her gun. Oh, boy. It's good. It's like, what the she hell? Goes, well, and she goes, I want my fucking gun. So we, we hear Carol drop that F-bomb, and it's pretty shocking. Yeah. Yep. Tears through her suitcase in the trunk, gets that gun, and I don't know how she knew which door to go to. but I think it was just the one next door to there. Yeah. She just assumed that's what happened. Because I don't know what was, what was in that telegram. It might have been from her lawyer saying, you need to get here now. I think in the in the book, it was Abby, like, warning her that wow. Harge had hired a PI who has been yeah. following them, a private investigator. Yep. We can so assume she, from her actions in the movie that she knows what he did because she, she knows what to do. Which So I don't know if it was maybe her lawyer that was like, uh, there's now evidence of... Um, quote-unquote wrongdoing what happened Rachel what's going on so yeah she busts into this hotel room Tommy Tucker is standing there and you can tell that he has the room tapped like yeah he, like drilled through the wall and it's gross because he's in his underwear and you're like ew he was like whacking off to that it's disgusting so he's like putting his pants on actually yeah. I hate it so much and then Carol's like give me the tapes I don't care how much they were. Like, I'll, I'll pay, pay you triple. triple. My husband will pay you. Just give me the tapes. Because she's fighting for her daughter in this yeah. moment. And her reputation. Her reputation. There's a lot at stake for Carol. But he's like, oh, I'm so efficient that I already mailed them out. Sorry. They're already gone. And then she tries to shoot the recorder. But her gun. I'm like, what happened to her gun? Was this was there no bullets in there? I'm like, what are you doing? It doesn't do anything. And if there weren't bullets, you would know that. So why would you even try to fire it? Yeah, this is kind of futile. But yeah. isn't that so scary to think that, like, this stuff really happened? Yeah. In, in the book, like, she gets the warning that there's a private investigator. And every hotel room they're in, she's, like, checking for taps, like, dictaphones, I think they're called, like, yeah, recording devices. Yep. And that's crazy. Gross. Well, Rachel... If you want to go down a rabbit hole at BYU, Brigham Young University, 
there was a time, well, still the, the church's official stance on homosexuality is that it's a sin, homosexual behavior. But there was a time when they would have moles in dorms to monitor whether there was homosexual activity going on. Oh my gosh. There was this woman, I listened to an interview with her. She's a, she's a lesbian, but she, you know, grew up in the church and, and she's a, a prominent artist. She's done plenty of um, LDS art and she's now an out lesbian and she's not, you know, she's no longer active in the church and very critical of, of, their, of the stance the church has taken. But she's like, oh yeah, when I was in college and it must've been, she's an older lady. So maybe like in the seventies or something. She was one of these moles that was asked, look out for lesbian activity. So this is real. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it is real. Like this stuff happened. And I guess it still happens now. Like you can hire a private investigator to go. Ugh, gross, gross. But then to have it be used in like, well, in your sit, like in the BYU situation, yeah. I'm sure you'd have to get communication. Yeah, excommunication. There's kicked like, like the consequences. Yeah, kicked out of the university for not, for violating the honor code. Yeah. But you can, with this one, Oh, not only does it jeopardize Carol's life, her relationship with her daughter, her standing, you can see that she's a woman of high social status, what this would do to her socially. Right. She would be completely ostracized. Um, mm -hmm. But what it would do, like what it means for Therese, this was her first, in the movie, this is her first sexual experience. Yes. Like, and that's, and, yeah, that's why I was kind of like, oh, I wish she wasn't a virgin. Like, yeah, But ha to have it be tarnished and what a violation yeah. while she's having this very intense personal experience that means so much to her to then learn that this man was recording it and is now going to use it against Carol. Oh, it's a nightmare. What a violation. And, and just how disgusting. Like and, that could be used in court. And now she's involved in it too. So they drive toward, they, they head back east and that's when they get in that conversation in the car where Therese is like, she's feeling really guilty, but she's like, I feel, she feels responsible because she's like, I just say yes to everything. I don't think I'm selfish. What are you thinking? Do you know how many times a day I ask you that? Sorry. What am I thinking? I'm thinking that I'm utterly selfish and I don't do this. You have no idea. No. And I should have said no to you, but I never say no. And it's selfish because... Because I just take everything and I don't know anything and I don't know what I want. How could I when all I ever do is say yes to everything? I took what you gave willingly. It's not your fault, Therese. And then Carol pulls over and is like, this isn't your fault. I took what you gave willingly. Yeah. <laughs> this was a choice I made. You didn't force it on me. Like she made the choice to do that, mm -hmm. to uh, sleep with her. Yeah. Oh boy. Um, but Carol ends up in the movie. Do In the movie, Carol ends up flying back home and then Abby comes. Yeah. Yeah. They, it's. They're, they're at some hotel. We don't know where, somewhere in between Iowa and New York City. And they have sex again. But then Therese wakes up and Carol is gone. And it's, she looks over and Abby isn't smoking in the corner. Oh yeah. my God. Yeah. Just not like not even giving her a warning. Like she could have easily told her. That really on. upset me. I'd be really upset with Carol for just yeah. leaving me like that. Have sex, like hit it and quit it. I would be very upset by the way she handled that. Yeah. She does leave like, her. Yeah. She has like other things going on but it doesn't give her an excuse no. to she just leave. like it felt like she was just using her yeah yeah leave her without a word and she did leave her that letter but still no 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 tell me to my face mm -hmm. let's can handle it let's have a conversation yeah. like they have been having conversations so it's like tell me you're gonna leave in the morning so I don't just wake up and your friend that in the movie at least she's never met is just sitting in the corner ready to drive her back to New York City yeah and then also in the book, mm -hmm. Trez like <laughs> um, <laughs> Carol. Carol teach, teaches Trez how to drive. Yeah, so I liked that. Like, yeah, that's I like that little. But no, not in the movie. In the crazy. movie, Abby drives her back home. Yeah, Abby drives, and what a friend! Oh my god, Abby drives drove all the way to Iowa. I think Abby probably flew there. Oh, and then what? Drove and Carol then drove car, car back. Home. Oh, that makes sense. Okay, it wasn't but Abby. still. But yeah, but still. She flew out there last, no, without a word and just to, to help her friend out. 
And, oh, we had this, we had this discussion offline where I was like, is Abby in love with Carol still? And I told you, I think I said that I don't think she's in love with her, but I think she's very protective of her. But to Therese, like Therese's perspective is like, yeah, Abby's totally in love with Carol. In the book anyway. In the movie, it might be more... Maybe just like envy, like envy, jealous, jealousy that she, I think there's some jealousy there that Carol like tells Abby all this stuff, but she won't relay it to Therese. Like Carol's making plans with Abby and how to get the car back and like what to do. And then Mm -hmm. she just like leaves Therese in the wind. There could be some intimacy, jealousy. I'm still wondering though, if the Sarah Paulson's performance in the movie, I don't know if it gave, if I've, there's any indication from it that she's still in love with Carol. I think they love each other, but um, I agree. She also talks, there's that scene in the movie where they're teasing each other, where Abby is like, oh, I'm, I have my eye on this redhead in the Wounds yeah. Steakhouse in Paramus. Can you handle a redhead? And, you, and she goes, serious, Rita Hayworth redhead. And then Carol's like, oh, do you think you have it, what it takes to handle a redhead? It's really sweet. And yeah. you, you at least know that these two will always have each other. Even yeah. if it's not romantically, they'll always have each other's backs and be in each other's lives for sure. But this is actually very upsetting. And Rooney Mara does a great job acting this, how devastated she is. Because there's mm-hmm. a shot where you just see Abby looking at Therese in the hotel room and she's just sitting there despondent. She's hunched over. She's just got... She won't eat breakfast. Yeah. She's, I mean, I would be pretty pissed if, if someone treated yeah. me like this. And they have this great scene of the letter being read while they're driving and then the car stops and Trez has to get out. Duke. Yeah. And yeah, just like throw up. <laughs> yeah. She's that upset. Dearest, there are no accidents. And he would have found us one way or another. Everything comes full circle. Be grateful it was sooner rather than later. You'll think it harsh of me to say so, but no explanation I offer will satisfy you. Please don't be angry when I tell you that you seek resolutions and explanations because you're young. But you will understand this one day. And I will insert um, the letter being read here. Okay. Uh, you know, Kate Blanchett's beautiful voice, but she says, is it, it's quite... In the movie, is this entirely Phyllis Naj's creation, this letter? I don't remember the book. The letter was in the book. Okay. I don't think I put it on my quote sheet, but it, there was a letter in the book. And I don't know if it was exact to the movie or not. But in the in the movie, she's like, again, I would, be, I would have been so angry if I was Therese reading this. Because she's just like, no explanation I give will satisfy you. No, try me. I mean, yeah. come on. Dude, I feel like I'm entitled to some kind of explanation. She's just like... You look for answers because you're young. It's only natural that she wants a reason. That's That feels patronizing. Uh, yeah, and I think the letter, it says, like, I release you. That's a very poetic way of dumping someone, of just being like, <laughs> I, I release you. I would feel used at that point. Oh, you took me on this trip. You had sex with me. And obviously, exigent circumstances, but I would probably feel pretty ill-used and um, yeah. cast aside. And when it happens... I want you to imagine me there to greet you. Our lives stretched out ahead of us, a perpetual sunrise. But until then, there must be no contact between us. I have much to do, and you, my darling, even more. Please believe that I would do anything to see you happy. So, I do the only thing I can. I release you. She does quote unquote releaser but she's also like wait for me kind of in a way because she's I don't remember what she says in the in the movie but she's like I want you to imagine us greeting each other 
I want you to imagine me waiting there for you or something. So it's something like when you get older, you'll understand. And then at that time, you can imagine me waiting for you or something. But then she's like, until then, there must be no contact between us. So it seems like she's, she is breaking up with her, but she's also like, but in the future, there'll be a chance for us, Mm -hmm. which is confusing. Why don't we just have a conversation? It could have been done, but it wouldn't have been so uh, poetic. (laughs) It was dramatic, quite poetic. And so yeah, Therese is devastated. And this is the point in the movie and the screenplay where we move away from Therese and we really focus on Carol. And I loved that aspect of it because it gives so much more insight into what's going on in Carol's life and how difficult this is for her. Mm -hmm. Carol ends up meeting with her lawyers and Harge and she reaches her breaking point. She's just like, I, I wanted this to happen. What happened with, with Therese Bellavid? I wanted it. And then she sets the terms that she's willing to accept. But before, I think even before then, she has to go to a psychotherapist. It's upsetting. Yeah, we can yeah. assume that some time has passed because so the movie begin like the timeline of the movie is right before Christmas, 1952, and it ends on April 17th, 1953. So it hasn't even been five months. So there's that space where we do see Carol at her in-laws looking miserable. Mm-hmm. And then they have a conversation about her seeing this psychotherapist, which you can yeah. only imagine what he's subjecting her to in the early 1950s. Like she's treating, trying to do what she can to salvage her being able to see her daughter. She's she's willing to do anything, including stay with in this terrible, this awful marriage. This man who treats her like a possession. These in laws who she has no fondness for, and undergo psychotherapy for being a deviant. That's how they would have treated her. Just awful and probably heavily medicated. It's terrible. Mm-hmm. No one should be subjected to that. And finally, in that scene, that climactic scene in the where she's meeting with the the lawyers, she's like, you know, there was a time I would have done anything, anything to keep Rindy in, in my life. But she has this great line where she says something like, what use am I to her or to anyone if I'm living against my own grain? Did you love that scene, yeah. Rachel? I loved it. So she ends up giving, like agreeing to have give Harge custody of the child, but she wants visitation rights. Yeah. And then... You can kind of see in Harge's face, he is regretting his behavior here. So I'd like to think that in time, she is able to have a relationship with her daughter. Yeah. I think I so. so. I think so just because of the way he looked so ashamed of himself in that yeah. moment of what he's driven her to. Now, what happened with Therese, I wanted, and I will not deny it or say that i but I do regret, and I grieve for the mess we are about to make of our child's life. We hard are both responsible. So I think we, we should set it right. Now, I think that Harge should have custody of Rindy. Could I suggest we just take a break for a no, moment? I don't, no, Fred, no, no, will you let me speak? Because if you don't, I will not be able to cope. Now, I'm no martyr. I have no clue what is best for me. But I do know, and I feel it in my bones, what is best for my daughter. Now, I want visits with her heart. I don't care if they're supervised. I just want them to be regular. Now, there was a time when I would have done almost anything. I would have locked myself away to keep Rindy with me. What use am I to her, to us, if I'm living against my own grain? So that's the deal. I won't, I cannot negotiate anymore. You take it or leave it. But if you leave it, we go to court. And if we go to court, it'll get ugly. And we're not ugly people, Hodge. He knows she loves Rindy and she's not going to do anything to hurt her daughter, but he's just using Rindy as a pawn to keep Carol in his life. And yeah. it's terrible. It's well, she said something like, we both made mistakes, and but we made Rindy together. That's the one thing we can agree on. And then she says, we're not ugly people. It's like, Hard has been behaving. His behavior has been very ugly. So I think he feels pretty shamed in that moment and is regretting how he's behaved. So I'm hoping that she's able to have a relationship with her daughter in, in the future. 
And so during this time, Trez is like slowly getting over Carol. She yeah. does end up trying to call her once. And that's a great oh scene with God. Carol on the other end of the phone. And then oh. she's like, she wants to talk to her so bad, but the phone lines are not private yeah. back in the 50s. Yeah, everyone's on a party line. Yeah. And then, well, you have like people, do you have people like, like physically operators? Who, yeah, operators, operators that can listen part- in and party lines. And it, so yeah. she ends up like hanging up. And then I think Trez like slowly moves on. Hello. Carol. I miss you. I miss you. She starts her job at the Times. Yeah. And that's lovely. Like, she's in this room. I don't know what she's doing at the Times, but she's in this room full of men. Oh, yeah. She's a clerk. And it's like, oh, when I'm so glad we were not alive then, Rachel. Yeah, me too. Oh, my God, Jesus. Yeah, she's she's got a job like a starting job as a clerk at the New York Times. And um, she's kind of glowed up. She's had a little makeover. She looks great. She looks yeah. like um, she's got a great face. She's got this Audrey Hepburn kind of thing going on. Mm-hmm. Like a really short haircut that looks great on her. It would not look good on me, but she looks beautiful in it. She's got this very short, almost like a, it's not a pixie cut, but it's short. It's not a child's haircut anymore. No, it's not. It's a woman. She's a grown woman now. And she's in a beautiful tailored suit. And Carol sees her walking across the street. And this time she's in red, right? Therese? She's kind of like red, right? I think so. And Carol sees her in the street. And then. Oh, that's so beautiful. <laughs> It is. Oh my God. She sees her in the street and the music. Ah, it's everything. It's everything. And then I noticed this time on this watch through that this all happened in the same day because of the outfits. Cause Carol doesn't change her outfit. So Carol, she sent a message to Therese and then saw her that night because she's wearing the same outfit and Therese is wearing the same outfit. So that all happened in one day. What a day. (laughs) (laughs) Right. When Carol made up her mind about what to do with the with the the legal proceedings, she right away reached out to Therese. Yeah, she's like, is there, is there any chance that this could still happen? And Therese throws her message into the garbage. He does. She's understandably still pretty raw. Mm-hmm. Uh, but she does, she does see her. She shows up at the Ritz. And now this is where the whole story comes full circle. And oh, that's that was the other line from the letter where she says everything comes full circle. So it's like, ah, like even in the movie, it's coming full circle. So so Carol shows up at the Ritz and they both look so good. They both look so beautiful. And she sees Therese waiting there. Oh, my God. And she's and this exchange is very similar to the one in the book. She's just like, so you hate me, Therese. I'm like, oh, my God. (laughs) It's so good. Oh. I wasn't sure you'd come. It's nice of you to see me. Don't say that. Do you hate me, Therese? Oh, how could I hate you? Abby tells me you're thriving. You've no idea how pleased I am for you. And you look very fine, you know? You've suddenly blossomed. Is that what comes of getting away from me? No. I think Rooney Mara acts this so well. You can see she's pretty. Yeah, it's angry. so good. You can see she's hurt and very angry still, but still in love yeah. with Carol, totally. But then Carol's like, yeah, um, I got my own apartment now. I'm working as a buyer for a furniture company. And, you know, my apartment's big enough for two. That is how she asked her in the book. She can't just come out and ask. She has yeah. to do it in this roundabout way. And then she's like, do you think you'd like to come live with me? In the movie, then, then she has that throwaway line in the movie where she's like, I was hoping you might like to come live with me, but I guess you won't. And then she can't even look yeah. at her. And she goes, would you? Oh, and Therese looks so cold and in- injured here. And she just goes, no, I don't. I don't think I would. Harge and I are selling the house. I've taken an apartment on Madison Avenue. And a job, believe it or not. I'm going to work at a furniture house on 4th Avenue as a buyer. Have 
Have you seen Rindy? Once or twice. She's living with Orange for now. It's the right thing. Anyway, the apartment's a nice big one. Big enough for two. I was hoping you might like to come live with me, but I guess you won't. Would you? And then Carol's face. Oh, yeah. I wonder what why Todd Haynes made this choice in the final edit. Because so the camera's on Rooney Mara saying, no, I don't think I would. We don't see Kate Blanchett's reaction immediately to that. We just, mm-hmm. it, it stays on Rooney's face. I kind of wanted to see what Carol's face was here, but yeah. it stays on Rooney and her. And then Carol just immediately moves on and is like, well, would you want to come to dinner? She She's going to do everything she can to get Therese back. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, she's still pursuing. She's like, well, you can still like come to this dinner or I'm, do you want to come to dinner later in the, the oak, oak room? room? The oak room at nine. And then she's like, no. Yeah, she I don't, she doesn't even answer. She just looks so crushed. And Therese does. And then Carol gives like, that line full circle where she just goes, well, that's that. And that's I love she, that. That's that. That's what she said in the beginning when she was at the doll counter. That's that. I'm meeting some people at the oak room. At nine, if you want to have dinner, if you change your mind, I think you'd like them. That's that. Oh my God, in this intense close-up. Oh, it kills me, Rachel. The camera just slowly zooms in on both of them in turn. Therese and then Carol and oh, Kate Blanchett acts the hell out of this. Her eyes, oh my God. And she just she just says, I love you. Oh, so I want to die. <laughs> she is just throwing it all out there. Like set me on fire, Jesus. She, yeah, she really, she's got nothing left. She's like, I tried everything. I just, zero defenses. She, and, the, and in the movie, this is the only time that we've heard I love you, right? Yeah, Therese doesn't say it in the movie. Yeah. She says it in everything but words, right? Right. <laughs> I love you. Therese, is that you? <laughs> what do you know? I'm saying to myself, I know that girl. Jack. Gee, it's great to see you, Therese. It's been months. Months. Jack, this is Carol Aird. Oh my God, but this is when... That guy comes and crashes their conversation at the worst possible moment. And we don't even know this guy. Like you said, he's like an irrelevant character. Completely irrelevant. But in the beginning, you're thinking like this, like this guy might be important. He's no. not. He's just a random guy. He's there just, just to, as, just so that this moment can happen of utter devastation where she's just told her as she loves her and then to have it interrupted by this random man who doesn't matter. It's like, oh my God. Oh, and oh my God, Therese's face. She's in, they're making arrangements to go to this party. And Carol's like, well, I better go. And she's like, are you sure? And she's like, no, don't leave. And then Carol puts her hand on Therese's shoulder and she's like, oh. Yep. Yeah. So, so good. And then they go to that party and, and Therese is not feeling it. Yeah. Therese goes with Jack to this party. She ends up seeing Richard again. Like he's with some other girl. And she's, yeah, just he's like, with some other. she's like, whatever, dude. And then um, Carrie Brownstein from Portlandia shows up and puts the moves on her. <laughs> she's yeah. not having it. She's just like, cool. I'm going to go smoke in the bathroom. <laughs> and this whole sequence, Rach, is shot from outside, from windows. Yes. Again. Yeah. Yes. There's another beautiful shot uh, earlier on in the movie when Carol is at that party that she didn't want to go to that Christmas party with the um, I don't know must be her in-laws yeah or no I think it was like her husband's business associate and because the this the woman is very friendly comes up to her named Jeanette and they're mm-hmm. shot through this it's oh it's gorgeous they're shot together and Jeanette is smoking and Carol is just like oh I think I might go away and it's so good everyone there is in full-on evening wear and tuxes and evening gowns and Carol just shows she shows up in kind of like a cocktail dress almost it's it's so good I love it so much like okay I'm glad that we live in modern times (laughs) but I wish that we could dress like I did I did I was like oh my god there was a time when 
men would just wear tuxedos just like what I it's so foreign yeah and we just I have all these pictures of my grandparents and my husband's grandparents just like at a new year's party and they're dressed to the nines and I'm like oh my god it's kind of nice there are fun little groups of people that will do that you just have to find the right people Emily next time I'm (laughs) okay at your house for new year's oh yeah you were last year 1950s new year's you know, I live in a big, in Phoenix, so I'm sure there's some crazy ass costume theme parties Yeah, around, but you're right. I did love the fashion in this gorgeous, iconic. Yeah. And there's that party where they're all in evening where I'm like, oh damn, I want to see Carol in an evening gown. Damn it. <laughs> damn it. <laughs> damn it. <laughs> um, but okay. So yeah, Trez is like, no, I know what I want now. I know what I want. This time she knows, knows what she wants not just instinctively she's owning it and she she goes right back to that oak room and oh the way this whole sequence it's perfection it is perfection oh my god i'll just like play it under us talking but here's the thing is like when i like was reading the book watching the movie it's kind of you feel like after Tress says no, you think like, well, that's kind of like the end of it. That's you don't really, you're not really expecting. As, Car- as Carol says, that's that. <laughs> that's that. You're like, okay, well, that's that, I guess. But mm-hmm. you're like, I felt okay with it. Like, I'm okay with that. But then mm-hmm. when she goes back, I was just like, this is the way that it had to end. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. I love Therese just blowing past that Mater D who's like, you can't go in there. And she's just like, I'm looking for someone. Fuck off. And she just. <laughs> See, this is Therese taking the damn initiative here. She's going for it, yeah. going for what she wants. And the, oh, it's shot so well. That mu- Rachel, that music cue, it kills me. I've but so then we many- don't see, so like in this scene, we see Carol's face, but we don't see Therese's. The last right? shot of, yeah, well, we do see Therese, but the last shot of the movie is Carol's face. Carol, yeah. But and it's like, like shocked, like happy, surprised, oh, like overwhelmed. It's everything. But it's so subtle the way she plays it. It's, um so good but yeah everything it reminds it does remind me a little bit of portrait like oh my god yeah yeah Rachel oh Rachel Rachel you didn't come on to talk about portrait but I did tell you to watch it and you did love it I loved it yeah that's another movie where it ends on a lingering well that shot is probably at least three minutes long feels like it of on Adele and Elle's face processing Mm -hmm. all the emotions and that's a movie where a lot of people are like oh it's so sad but to me I it's not sad to me when I, that movie, we're getting sa- sidetracked, but I feel like it's amazing that their love happened. And that's a beautiful, wonderful thing. That yeah. she's, it's not sad. It's not sad because I think in portrait, if they wanted to, they could have pursued something, not like openly, but yeah, they could have met each other up, but it was like their, their, their decision to end it when They're, it did. Yeah. And leave it perfect. Leave it as a leave sp- it perfect. <laughs> so I don't feel sad. Um, but okay, maybe another time we'll do portrait, Rachel. Hold but on. one thing, one wait, thing. Wait. <laughs> wait, oh my God, stop. <laughs> so like Emily and I like to like, well, I don't know if you like to, but I like to. Oh my God. Like a sign of Taylor Swift song. Oh yeah, this is more movie. Rachel. So portraits, <laughs> portraits would be wildest dreams. Oh my God, you're right. It is. And then you told me that, that Carol is I know places. Yeah. So good. <laughs> Rachel, Wildest Dreams is, is, that is actually perfect. Good job. Good job. That's my, yeah, that's my one talent. She's a resident Swifty consultant and I'm kind of a Swifty <laughs> now, kind of, kind of. Perfect. This, yeah, the scene now it's shot. It feels like a, a little bit off kilter. It's in like slow motion. She's moving through the crowd. And I think he does, um, or the cinematographer did a, it's called a dolly zoom or a reverse tracking shot. And that's what gives it that feeling that something's, uh, it makes it feel very intense. It's where either the camera is moving away from the subject, but the lens is zooming in or vice versa. Okay. So it gives you a feeling of, I don't know how to describe it. Um, it's like intimacy. It's yeah. It feels very intense and very immediate. And it's just right on uh, Rooney Mara's face.
and you see everything in her face and then same thing with Carol and then oh just it ends on Carol's face of this look like this little smile this like hint of a smile so good ah I love it Kate win any awards for this? Let's see. Um, let's see what awards. Uh, audience response, critical response, box office. The film received over 290 industry and critic nominations and over 100 awards and honors. The film was selected to compete for the Palme d'Or at the 2015 Cannes Film Festival, where it won the Queer Palm, and Mara tied for the Best Actress Award. Kate Blanchett was campaigned for lead actress at the Academy Awards and, and Rooney Mar was campaigned to support it. They always do this. Category fraud. No, clearly Therese is the protagonist here, but they wanted Kate there and it received six Academy Award nominations, nominated for six Independent Spirit Awards, one Best Cinematography. Blanchett and Mara received Screen Actors Guild Awards nominations for Outstanding Performance by a Female Actor in a Leading Role and um, Supporting Role, respectively. She's not a supporting role. She's like... No. This is a co-lead thing. Yeah. So it did. Yeah. It received critical recognition, but it didn't win big at the Oscars, which I think it should have. (laughs) I love Give this girl an Oscar. Give give Carol an Oscar. The New York Film Critics Circle awarded it Best Film, Best Director, Best Cinematography, and Best Screenplay. Good job, New York Film Critics Circle. And Best Music at um, Los Angeles Film Critics. Yes, as it should have. It's gorgeous. It's beautiful. I don't even know what freaking won at the 2015 Oscars, but I don't think it should have won over Carol. <laughs> Spotlight? Uh, most nominations, The Revenant. Nah, I would say Carol should have won. Definitely. Oh my God, Rachel. This was so fun. Thanks so much for reading the book. I'm glad you liked it so much. There is not, okay, so I don't have a lot of five-star, like, <gasps> reads typically. This was a five-star read for me. Rachel, I loved it. Loved it. You should probably read other Highsmith. Yeah, definitely. Oh, what did you like about it so much? I like, love the writing style. Like, it's just so descriptive. I love metaphors. It's good. But I also love, like, a mean character. Like, I love Piera. <laughs> Hell yes, you fucking love her. You like bitches. I do. I'm like, I need this in my life. Like, I have to be so nice all the time. Like, yeah. Oh, be- you just want to be the bitch. I I see the envy of just like, just, I just want to be able to say whatever I fucking yeah. want to say. <laughs> it's like, oh, this is good. <laughs> yeah. No. Yeah. It's very good. I love the dialogue in it. I can yeah. just picture their interaction so clearly. Oh, it's so it's so good. Yeah, I read a big chunk of it in the last two days, just getting ready for this. Like, Damn, this is good. I was like, like, I'm skimming it. And I'm like, you're just going to end up reading it. Yeah, I was like, this is fucking good. <laughs> I'm enjoying this immensely. This is so much fun discussing this with you. It is. So glad you... Do you have any, like, what are your favorite scenes? I think I talked about mine a lot. Mm-hmm. Nothing terribly original. I love when she first sees her at, at the store. I love their first meeting at that diner where they get the dry martinis at whatever 11 a.m i do love when she takes pictures of her when um, she's buying the christmas tree yeah that's a great scene and that's something that i really liked how they gave her that photography because it's so engaging and after they broke up like she still had undeveloped photos of her oh my god i thought that was so beautiful when she's like developing the photos and they're already broken up and she's like one is her one of us is her in bed too she took a picture of her in bed I think that was a, a good choice for Phyllis Naj because it allows us to see Carol through Therese's eyes. Literally, yeah. that's her subject. Mm-hmm. And then, oh, yes. I mean, it's so good. The whole movie is so good. But that last scene where they're, where Carol says, I love you. And then they see each other across the room. Oh, my God. I want to die. It's so good. What about you, though? What- I liked it when Therese was crying in the train. <laughs> what? <laughs> I don't know why I love that. Sad girl summer, sad girl winter. It's just like so like her, all her hopes are dashed and she's going through all this emotion and I just feel for her. Like I felt like that. Yeah. Well, Rachel, I've definitely watched a Carol review in the last few days where the girl that was reviewing it, it was one of those react videos where it's like, oh, so-and-so reacts to Carol. She edited, (laughs) when that scene happened, she edited in um, champagne problems. (laughs) 
All right. Okay. So I have to say, so when Emily was telling me about this movie, I really wasn't in like into it. <laughs> I'm like, okay, like I'll do it, but I'm not like that excited for it. Yeah. I read the book and I was I was astounded. Yes. The movie it adds another layer. Like it it represents the book so well. Mm-hmm. But I have to say, like if you really want a good like in-depth like more to the movie, just read the book. Yeah, it is. It's very good. And the movie is gorgeous. And it's like the perfect time to be watching Carol, November, December. Oh, so good. Yeah. Anyway, you can find us passengers at Female Driven Podcast on Instagram. And Female Driven Podcast is the name of this podcast. You can find it on Spotify and iTunes. We'd love to interact with you on Instagram. And we will be back with we don't know yet (laughs) i'm not sure yet it might be more carol it might be a special guest on to discuss carol but we will certainly be back rachel might be back to talk about the hours i i would be interested in that oh hell yes we'll do the hours but anyway here's to locking eyes with a beautiful stranger at a department store and pursuing a whirlwind cross-country romance yes with a hot, wealthy older woman. Cheers. May we all. <laughs> Let's manifest it. Okay. All right. Bye. Bye.